Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Nearly 20% of healthcare workers quit their job during the pandemic, and a third of those remain that have said that they've thought about quitting. The statistics and anecdotes all point to a serious labor shortage in healthcare. Now, we've talked on this program about the use of telehealth and other remote healthcare technologies that might help the issue, perhaps allowing clinicians to provide care regardless of the patient or the physician's geographic location. But as our listeners are well aware, there's another side of healthcare that continues to be work and paper intensive. That's the administrative side, the the actual business of doing healthcare, which takes a tremendous amount of time and human resources, both on the provider side and for the patient. So is there a way we can apply what we've learned from virtual healthcare on the clinical side and apply it to the administrative side? Could we achieve more administrative simplification virtually? Our guest today is going to help us answer that question. We're excited to talk to Dr. Stephen Kupferman, co-founder and chairman of MedVA, a healthcare virtual assistant service. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. I'm Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments. Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the communication committee chair for WEDI. That's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And as I said, we are excited to have Dr. Stephen Kupferman on our show today, Dr. Kupferman is co-founder and chairman of MedVA, or MedVA, a healthcare administrative virtual assistant service. Dr. Kupferman holds DMD and MD degrees from Harvard and UCLA, respectively, and he brings nearly two decades of experience in the healthcare industry. He is the founding surgeon of LA Comms, Los Angeles' premier oral and maxillofacial surgery practice where he first pioneered the use of virtual assistants. With those virtual assistants, he optimized the management of his six-doctor practice while simultaneously improving the quality of patient care. Dr. Kupferman, welcome and so very glad to have you here on The Collective Voice. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Very good. So, uh, Dr. Kupferman, we often talk uh, to healthcare technology leaders on this program, but we're always excited when we talk to someone who has lived in both the clinical world and the administrative and technological world. So now you've got both a dentistry degree and a medical degree. Uh, We actually share Harvard as a background, but then you went to UCLA for your medical degree while I went across town to USC for my undergraduate. Uh, That can be forgiven, but uh, please tell us more about your background. All right, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, you know a lot more about me than I do about you, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i share it because <laughs> my mom always likes when I talk about my credentials. Um, so yeah, so you know, I, in college, I thought I was going to be a doctor of some sort, and I have a few uncles that are dentists, and I just decided that dentistry would be the way to go. And so, um, so I went to dental school, um, and then as I was finishing, I kind of uh, wanted to do something more kind of medically oriented because um, at Harvard, they... Uh, put you in the medical school for the first two years. So um, uh, I decided I wanted to do oral and maxillofacial surgery. Uh, So I came out to Los Angeles. I matched at UCLA, uh, which meant I had to go to medical school for two years, finish up my MD degree, take all my boards, 
and then do uh, general surgery for a year and then oral and maxillofacial surgery. And then my first uh, job out of uh, residency in 2007 was to work for Kaiser Permanente. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years and uh, realized that it would be uh, somewhat difficult to raise then three kids. And uh, subsequently, I had a fourth kid. Uh, in Los Angeles uh, on a uh, on that salary in private schools. And so I opened up my practice uh, in uh, Century City, which is right in the middle of LA uh, in 2009. Uh, and then it's, you know, grown to now uh, six doctors. And um, along the way, that comes with uh, a lot of employees. And um, I had done the management for the practice um, for a, a very long time. And so that meant that I was managing all the employees in the practice as well. And um, the surgery became really, really easy for me. And managing uh, 30 plus people on a day-to-day -day basis uh, became, uh, became very difficult. Uh, and, um, and so I was, um, spending most of my energy, not most of my time, but most of my energy on managing the practice, managing our surgery center, managing our anesthesia group, uh, and managing all the employees that came along with that. And so I started looking at some other opportunities, uh, where I can, um, you know, just make things easier, uh, just like, um, you know, figuring out how I can, you know, take advantage of, uh, of remote employees before the pandemic. This was 2018. And so I, um, I came across um, the idea of having virtual assistants uh, and um, hired my first few and just realized how incredible it was to, um, to have people who uh, were working remotely um, really enjoyed coming to work had tremendous respect for the doctors, tremendous respect for the work that they were involved in. Uh, and um, I decided that it was that I just had to go out to the Philippines to to meet them. So um, I was uh, taking a trip with my wife for our anniversary. And um, we were going to Thailand and I said, well, we're going to just have to stop on the way in the Philippines. So we um, made a little pit stop, went to the Philippines. I met um, several of my uh, then virtual assistants, uh, many of whom are still with me. Um, and uh, and I just, just from there, it just took off. I just said, I have to do this myself. There's not enough doctors who know about this. Um, I don't have any friends who are doing this, and I know a lot of doctors. And, um, and I know a lot of doctors that have a lot of people doing administration for their practices. And so I said, well, you know, I just, I need to do this. I need to get this out to all my friends because it's just a tremendous opportunity. And the pandemic hit and then and the rest is really history because now everybody knows what Zoom is, even though I had been using Zoom for a few years before that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's it. That's how everything really kind of took off. It's a great story. There's, there's three parts of that that I, I think is a great story. Is, is first, um, this wasn't like an idea that came to you at the night at some point. This was like a real necessity that you found uh, because of where your energies were placed, right? A real need to simplify your administration, right? Um, the second part of that is I, 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 I think sometimes we think about, um, you know, remote uh, assistance or a remote uh, call centers, right? As as nameless, faceless people in another another country, but you actually met them. You you actually have a relationship uh, with your virtual assistants, which is which is absolutely beautiful. I think. 
Yeah. So, you know, to your, to your second point there, um, you know, when I, when I got there, the, the, the word, so I, I, I gave them, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars to fly in from, you know, the islands, um, to get to, to Manila, which is where I flew into. And they met me at the hotel and, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm like six, four, 200 plus pounds. And so like they grabbed my arm and said, you're real, Dr. Kupferman, you're real. Nobody ever visits us, you know? <laughs> and, um, and they just, you know, they, I just, you know, I just saw how, you know, important they felt, they felt, uh, to be working, um, in healthcare. Um, you know, they, they, they love the fact that they can work from home again, all pre pandemic. Um, they love the fact that they can be involved in day-to-day healthcare in an exciting field. I mean, for me, it's oral and maxillofacial surgery for other doctors. It's whatever they're doing. So they, they, you know, they feel a part of everything. You know, they, they, they almost have to sort of mentally work harder because they're working from home in a doctor's office. So, um, so just the appreciation and, and, you know, how much they really enjoyed, um, you know, working, you know, with us, um, was really what, what struck me. Yeah. And I think that personal touch, right. That connection, it, that, I mean, that's where loyalty, that's where the loyalty comes from. I think there's so many discussions about remote work and, you know, how do how you develop a culture, uh, if, if all your workers are, are off, uh, never see each other, never connect. Uh, it sounds like you immediately uh, created a culture. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, we went out to dinner, we, you know, we drove, um, you know, at the, at the, at that point I was already looking for places to, you know, start my own, um, to start Medva. Um, and, uh, we drove around, um, there's a, um, the largest world war two, um, cemetery, uh, for American soldiers is, uh, in the middle of Manila. We were stuck in traffic, got off the freeway and, you know, paid respect to, uh, to, uh, I think about 15,000 American, uh, mm. soldiers who are there. Um, so, um, so yeah, it was just, you know, I mean, there's a great appreciation for, um, for the United States of America in Philip in the Philippines, their, um, their culture is healthcare based. Um, we know that of course, because here in the U S so many people working in hospitals are from the Philippines and that, that certainly doesn't change there. Um, so, you know, their culture is based on healthcare, you know, their, their industry is healthcare. Um, and, um, they just have this customer service, you know, breed, um, that, uh, just makes them, you know, perfect for the doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah. And the third takeaway I got from that is you, you hit it, like you said, uh, just before the pandemic where suddenly we had to go all, all remote. So, so talk to us about that. Were you fully prepared when the pandemic came around and did it make uh, the administrative side easier? Well, you know, me, me particularly in my practice, we never, you know, shut down because so much of oral and maxillofacial surgery is emergency based. And so we, we, we had our, our virtual assistants working, you know, around the clock. Um, in terms of Medva itself, we were, we, we went through kind of a rebranding at that, you know, around the time of the pandemic, um, we had gotten uh, some, you know, large uh, clients that were doing um, COVID testing. So um, things really exploded um, very quickly. Um, and, uh, and so, we, you know, we were able to sort of, you know, answer the call for, um, for you know, for, for people at the time. Um, the, the regular sort of private practice slowed down for a little bit. Um, but then as we rebranded, we used that time wisely, rebranded. Uh, the company and, um, and, you know, things have taken off and, you know, everybody seems to be 
sort of doubling down on healthcare right now, um, you know, because of the way the economy seems to be moving, um, maybe a little bit less towards tech and towards more stable uh, economics like uh, like healthcare. Uh, and so that's allowing um, entrepreneurs to uh, begin to uh, to build healthcare companies, uh, and they need people to do that. And so you know we're at the forefront of that, which is which is great. Yeah, very good. So uh, tell us more about um, Medva. I, I use the term call center, but this sounds clearly much different than just a, a call center. Yeah, it's actually nothing like a call center. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, some people would call this sort of thing outsourcing, but we, we like to say that it's really insourcing because, um, when you, when you call Medva and you ask for, um, for help and you need to hire somebody right away, uh, we have, um, a large, um, uh, staff that is able to, um, give you the people that we've been training over the last couple of weeks. And we train people in, you know, two week sessions, uh, to be ready for the office. Most of them are, are, almost all of them are already healthcare workers, so they know everything about healthcare. Um, but we, we go through certain training things like HIPAA and all those kinds of certifications and things like that. And so when you would call as a you know, prospective client, we're going to send you a list um, of you know, two or three people that we think will match with your business, whether it's a doctor's office or a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility or some sort of healthcare um, uh, company or business, uh, you'll you'll have a chance to pick the people that you want. You'll have a chance to interview them. You'll see their resume. They have a uh, a video resume, and then they will work for you. You'll have a computer for them. They, they have their own computer in their house, and then they'll essentially work for you every day, whatever hours you want them to work. So if you're on the East Coast, then they're going to work East Coast hours. If you want them to answer calls for your practice at night then they, they'll do that. They'll work, you know, they'll work night, which is, you know, daytime in, in the Philippines. And so, um, it's, it's really your employee. You tell them what you want them to do. Uh, they're not just answering calls. Um, and you tell them when you want them to do it and they work, uh, you know, a, a regular job, just like any other healthcare worker would, would do in, in an office. It's just that they're remoting in. Very good. And, 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 Tell me some of the administrative tasks that that, that would actually do. So, in, um, average yeah. dental office, maybe. Right. So the the easiest way um, for people to get started using Medva is to do um, whatever uh, would be required for uh, for communicating with an insurance company. Um, you know, we've that's probably one of the hardest positions to find in the U.S. right now. Um, that, that position was held by, um, you know, high school graduates who wanted to work in doctor's offices and they spent time going through claims, submitting claims, adjudicating claims, refiling claims, calling insurance companies to find out where the claims are. And so that position is very hard to find right now. And if you can find it, you're paying a lot of money for that position, a lot more than you were paying a few years ago. Um, and CMS is not paying any more than they were paying a few years ago. So, um, so that's gonna that's gonna cost a lot of money. So, so that position um, can easily be handled by somebody uh, working remotely, um, and so that is the easiest way to start. Oftentimes, um, that um, that person's going to be calling somebody who works for an insurance company in the Philippines as well. So, um, so that was an advantage that the payers had on 
most of the doctors for a long time. And so, um, you know, because we, we, you know, most doctors didn't have anybody working remotely um, and the large payers had large buildings in the Philippines, mostly in Manila and Makati city uh, where, where people were working in call, call centers. Um, and so, um, so this is, this is the easiest way to get into using uh, a virtual assistant. I, I, I was completely unaware of that. I didn't realize that the, the payers had uh, the Philippines as a, as a center. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, now everybody seems to, um, I mean, that industry, that, that is one of the largest industries in Manila. So if you, or in the Philippines, um, if you go there, you'll, you'll find that, um, you know, there's these, you know, large, uh, buildings, um, that house, um, many, many, many American companies. Um, and, uh, because English is the first language, um, in the Philippines, um, you know, people work for, you know, for American companies in the Philippines, um, in business processing where they're answering phones and doing uh, customer service and, uh, troubleshooting and, and all, all, all that sort of thing. So, um, so it's a, it's a large, um, large part of the, uh, the Philippine economy. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we, we, we need to, we need to have it in doctor's offices as well. Yeah. And it's interesting. And, and I think many of our listeners can sympathize with this as the, the, the number one uh, communication that needs to happen is between the provider's office and the insurance company, right. To, to sort through that. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're doing, you know, office visits, um, you know, there's not as much calling, but if you're doing any procedures, you have to get authorization. You need to call insurance companies on a daily basis. Um, in, in the dental industry, um, you know, if you have dental insurance, your office is calling the dental insurance to find out specifically what is covered, what is not covered. If you're a surgeon, um, you know, in the medical industry, you need to find out whether, you know, hip, hip replacements authorized, uh, what the cut, co- what the co-pays are, how much the patient's supposed to pay. All that stuff is available online, but you take a risk at that information not being correct. And so almost every office um, has somebody calling the, you know, the, uh, the insurance companies to find out what the benefits are. Right. I think there's a stat, it's probably 10 years old now, but that um, for every um, physician office, the average physician spends three weeks, three full weeks of every year um, doing administrative tasks, which 90% of the time were discussions with insurance, right? So there's time taken away from the patient's. Um, and you talk yourself about certainly savings found, but you also say that this is increased or uh, uh, made the quality of the healthcare better. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it used to be that, yeah, you were saving money because you were paying, you know, fractions to have somebody in the Philippines do what somebody in the U.S. would, would be able to do. Today, you can't find that person in the U.S. to do it. And so it's not even, it's not even, a, there's not even a discussion. Uh, it's, it's an immediate win because you, you know, you try to hire somebody to do that job here in the U S and you just can't find them. They, they, they may respond to a, to an ad that you put on indeed or monster or whatever, whatever company you're using to find people. And, and then they don't show up. Um, so, so it's not even, you know, there's not even, we're not even in the game, uh, when, when it comes to that sort of position, um, so yeah, so that's really how it, uh, right. Right. Um, so, uh, you, you, you've got an audience here who's, uh, you know, very HIPAA centric. Are there any downsides to using a virtual assistant? Um, 
and and we're thinking security or privacy issues is probably on some people's minds. Yeah. So, you know, this is, you know, I'm sure, you know, listening to this, you think, well, this is a no brainer. Um, uh, you know, you know, the average, you know, virtual assistants getting paid about $10 an hour and we pay more than that in, in just basic benefits of parking and healthcare and, and all that. And they have a fantastic job in the Philippines, um, at, at that, at that rate with great medical benefits and, and retirement and, and things like that. And they don't have to sit in traffic and, and, and they work remotely and all that. So, um, the, uh, the only, the only sort of response is, Oh, is this safe? You know, it's somebody from another country, you know, working for my office. And, um, you know, and so that, I mean, there, there's a valid concern for anybody working in your office, whether they're here or in the Philippines, you as a doctor need to, um, be conscious of that. You need to have them do their HIPAA training every year. You need to let them know that they're not allowed to do such and such, whether it be, just uh, privacy or just uh, public, uh, just uh, personal health information or medical privacy issues. Um, th- those, um, those sort of things, those risks exist, whether you're using somebody from the Philippines or from Mexico or somebody who's, you know, in your city, who's working in your office. So that risk exists no matter what. Now the, the Philippines, um, has, um, a society that is basically, um, an economy that is uh, mostly revolves around remote work and virtual assistance. And so they have much more punitive laws against HIPAA violations than we do here because they don't want the industry to, to disappear. Um, there are, you know, thousands of employees that are work that are, that are Philippine, um, you know, people living in the Philippines who are working for American companies. And if the Philippines becomes known to, uh, violate HIPAA to, um, you know, release, uh, private information, then that industry is going to disappear and it makes up for a large portion of their economy. So they, they punish it, uh, far more uh, seriously than we do here in the U S. Um, I have colleagues who have had HIPAA violations from people working in their office um, uh, not remote employees, but actual uh, physical in the office employees. And there's not a lot you can do to them. In fact, if you fire them, you potentially could be looking at a lawsuit. So, um, so we feel very strongly that, that there are um, HIPAA risks, um, no matter who you have working in your office or for you in, in an office or outside of the office. Um, you know, we have in our practice and we recommend to our clients, uh, to, uh, have an IT person who can protect everything. Um, there are, there are ways in which you can really, um, keep track of what, um, your employees are doing, whether they're, again, whether they're in your office or whether they're working remotely for your office in the U S or outside of the U S. Um, and you know, everybody needs to take those precautions, no matter who is really working for, uh, for your office. Uh, that's fascinating that the Philippines actually has stricter enforcement. That's, that's really something. Yeah. Well, they, they you know, they, they have to, because again, this is a big part of their industry. I mean, the U S you know, healthcare is a big part of our economy as well. Um, but, um, you know, but in the Philippines, they're, you know, working for U S companies and they, they want to protect, you know, their, uh, their good name as, um, you know, as, as good healthcare employees and they don't want to have, you know, uh, violations. So they, they're very strict, um, you know, with, um, with policing that. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It's a reputational risk. Um, any other limitations uh, that you see to using a virtual assistant? Is there anything, um, is there any other uh, uh, deficiencies uh, as opposed to having somebody in the office there all the time? So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of, of, of efficiencies that you get from having a remote employee. I think the, the best is that oftentimes the training is recorded because it's all done by a Zoom or some other kind of, uh, uh, you know, video conferencing. And so, you know, for years in my practice, I would tell somebody something and then it wouldn't get passed down the same way that I told it to the first person. And then, you know, two, three years later, they'd be like, you told Sally to tell me to do this and, you know, and. But now they can just re, they can just watch a training session. You hire one virtual assistant, you record your entire training on there, and then they save that, and then the next virtual assistant can watch that, and so forth and so on. So that's just one small you know uh, efficiency that you have uh, in terms of things that they can't do. I mean, everybody you know after a while when you're 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 using your your virtual assistant, you want to bring them here. And so there's a tremendous limitation on that. Um, and so, uh, so, you, you know, most people are like, uh, can we bring anybody here? Because, you know, people need nurses and a lot of the, a lot of the virtual assistants that we endorse to our clients are actually, you know, registered nurses. Um, and so that's a huge limitation. Um, uh, you know, anything that's clinical, that's hands-on, we can't do. And, and so, uh, so that, that, that's a problem because healthcare requires touch personal touch you need to actually be there to draw blood you need to be there to take a blood pressure but a lot of that is changing uh, there are um, you know entrepreneurs all over the United States now starting healthcare companies that can do remote work as you as you as you talked about earlier and so remote patient monitoring um, you know remote visits um, you know virtual visits um, all of that um, is being uh, looked at and and uh, and started to be to you know to be used. The problem is is we need people to 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 do that, despite it being automated and have an app associated with it. And so, um, so you know, so so that's really the future. I mean, that's what, that's where I see things going, where more and more companies are going to figure out how to take care of people through a computer uh, by using remote devices, by having apps that are. Uh, much, you know, more user-friendly. Uh, you know, my daughter was going to the physical therapist a few moments ago and she printed out a whole 10 pages that she had to fill out. You know, she's 20. People aren't going to do that much longer. You know, that <laughs> that's going to go away very quickly. People aren't going to put up with, you know, 20 pages of paperwork to fill out, just like they don't do it when you go on Uber or when you go on the you know, any Apple app or anything like that, and so that's where things are going to going to move because people aren't going to put up with filling out all that paperwork anymore. Right, fascinating, I, and I think the interesting thing you said about um, uh, it, which applies to all remote work, I think, is the fact that it's uh, traceable, it's tractable, everything is documented, everything is uh, there's a digital record behind everything, which which actually runs a tighter ship uh, in many ways than you'd have. In the office, and and you may have touched on this already, but um, what is your view for the future? Uh, so you're taking a stab at the administrative. Uh, you talked to us a little bit about uh, telehealth, and and I've got daughters too who <laughs> wouldn't know how to how to fill out a paper form if they tried. So um, what, what what's your vision for the future for healthcare in general? So you know, I mean, I think that um, 
you know, once people realize or figure out how to take advantage of technology to allow for 80% of the, um, the healthcare work, um, to be done through technology, things are going to move in that direction. People who have a rash on their hand do not want to go to the dermatologist and wait in the lobby and make an appointment for four weeks from now. Um, that people are, you know, people in gen, whatever it is now are not going to do that. They want to take a picture of it and they want to, you know, send it to uh, some Uber app version of dermatology and find out what it is and what should happen. And if it needs surgery, they want to go in and get it. But if it needs a cream, they want to, they want them to send it to the pharmacy and have it delivered to their door in 30, 30 minutes. And I mean, that's just a microcosm of what, you know, what healthcare likely will be in 20 years, but we have all that. It's all available. You know, I mean, um, you, you, you can't even write a prescription really here in California anymore. Everything has to be done electronically. So, so, you know, all of that has already, you know, changed all, all the technology is there for that. Um, we just need to put the pieces together and we need great entrepreneurs to kind of put that stuff in, you know, in order. And, you know, it may be generated by large payers like, you know, Optum and, you know, uh, Anthem and, um, you know, and they may put these apps together themselves, you know, as they want to bring in more doctors to their, um, their groups. But ultimately that's really what the future is going to be. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me, we had a guest, uh, Dr. Stallcup. Uh, and, and he, uh, he kind of mocked the idea that you go in cause you have a stomach ache and the, and the doctor pokes and prods you, but actually he, he, the doctor won't, won't diagnose anything until you've gone through a million tests anyway. So that poking and prodding is, is something we've come to think of as what doctors do in his healthcare, but healthcare is far beyond figuring out what your stomach aches about by pressing your, <laughs> pressing your belly, right? You can do most of those lab tests virtually or, or go about getting them yourself without going to the doctor, get poked especially in gastroenterology because you don't need to draw blood. You got to draw poop. So it's really easy to draw poop and send it in a box to someone's some lab. So um, it's true, you know, um, and the more they can get information from, you know, from non-blood fluids, um, you know, the, the more that's going to be the case. So, uh, yeah, he's right. He's, he's 100% right. So very good, uh, 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 doctor. The, and your your uh, your product sounds uh, fascinating. Do you want to direct listen, uh, listeners to any resources uh, to your website to learn more about this? Uh, yeah, they can uh, you know go to um, uh, www.medva.com, medva or medva.com, and um, you know, just fill out. You just uh, you know click on something, and you'll speak to one of the people and they can tell you all about what we do and there's videos on there and you know, plenty of, plenty of information. Sounds good. Very good. And, and I'll leave you with the last word here, doctor. Oh, this is really uh, great talking to you and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, uh, you know, the more, the more you talk about this stuff, the more you start realizing that um, you know, what the future really, uh, really is because you know, you start talking about it and you realize how simple those things are to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think uh, we've all learned a lot today, too. Uh, great discussion with Dr. Stephen Kupferman, co-founder and chairman of Medva. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects 
collaborates and creates solutions for a better health system. You can find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.